Listen, people, new episode. We're here. Um, I'm here joined by Tyrese Johnson. I'm going to gas your intro up, but this is the podcast, Breaking It Down, as we're here. Breaking It Down, a motivational podcast, helping the next people uh, coming through, athletes, entrepreneurs, creatives, artists, all those kind of people, and that's the purpose of this. We've got a second athlete on. Um, like I said, I'm going to gas up your intro. Like, Listen, people, we're looking at the next player to go to our Power 5 school. The next player, the next manum to go to the NFL, a running back superstar with more muscles on his right arm than my entire frame, and the best prospect in the UK. No debates. Welcome to the podcast, Tyrese Johnson Fisher. How are you doing, man? No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Know, I'm good. Just um, tired, man. It's been it's been a long day. I've had a couple of classes, getting ready for training in a bit. So yeah, it's been it's been busy. How about yourself? Good. Same. I can't relate on the training thing. I'll be honest. I'll be honest, I can't relate on that part. UK yeah, is yeah, locked yeah. off, as you know. So training, yeah. exactly, training's a no-go right now. Hopefully June 21st, if Boris isn't uh, lying to me, we'll be all right. But hopefully. we're here. Hopefully, hopefully. June. I want to get to know things like your journey in the sport, the transitions you made from, obviously, rugby over to American football, um, aspects such as your training, cool. opportunities, mental, your diet, negative comments and all that kind of stuff i'm not going to mm. really stick to the lockdown kind of stuff because you've checked you've said it in your video i'm going to plug your um youtube channel so if you guys want to check that out he explains his so you know training during lockdown and those are sick videos so you may, might as well go check those out after this podcast episode but chat to me about your entry point into sport in the first place was it a family thing a school thing you know watching a little olympics premiership rugby football what, what was your entry point to sport as a whole before you went into rugby it was it was in football. My mum and my auntie they used to take me to training and um, play football like every single week. But you know, just as a little kid, I used to hate kicking the ball. I was so angry. Like, my mum bought the Sky Sports channels and she'd be like, "T, like Arsenal playing, you're gonna watch." And I was like, "No, I don't want to watch." So I used to obviously I used to have the hatred for sport, hatred for football. But then I don't know what clicked. It was probably so it was just before I went to Dubai. Mom and I moved to Dubai for a couple of years, and this was like 2010. Um, yeah. You know, kicking ball on the block for some of the guys that were local. And I was just like, you know what? I love this sport. So I was kicking ball every single day. And then obviously, I used to play, I used to play for a football team before, and it was painful being, you know, the last one in the team sheet. You know, you're getting to games and you're traveling like three hours to get like five minutes on the field. Yeah. So obviously, when you're done, that's painful. But then I don't know what happened, but I came back from that summer and I was the first one on the team sheet every single second. Like the coach wanted me to play, he was trying to get me in and I was scoring goals for fun. So my love for sport just came out of nowhere. And then, um, you know, we moved to Dubai. In Dubai, I was playing football to start. But then a South African family were like, you know, come play rugby. We think you'd be good. You've got to speak for it. We've seen it in football. And then I played rugby. And it just seemed like it was a match made in heaven for me. And then just before I was moving back to England in 2013, um, my, my rugby coach was basically like, you know, my wife does track. Would you consider at least giving it a goal? Would you consider, you know, running 100 metres? Run 100 metres. And then they said, you do realise if you were in the UK, you'd be top 10 in the country for your age group. So I thought, you know what? Moving back to England, then coming running injured. And I was running injured. And um, it was painful because... You know, I was running up against a guy called Keyshawn. Um, you know, he was, at the time, like, top four in the country. But 
I wanted to, I've always had the motivation of being number one. I always wanted to be that best, the best player on the field. And mm. so when you're obviously in that situation and you're running, you just keep speeding, you keep speeding, you keep speeding, you, you know, it's so hard to kind of get yourself out of that because then you just, you kind of feel like a failure to yourself. So I guess to stay on the track front, um, stayed on track. And then in, yeah, basically the year later, you know, we had indoor season, did the indoor season, not even a full season. I just literally did a couple of races, beat the guy that used to beat me, finished the season winning nationals, ran 10-9-1. At the time, I was the second fastest 14-year-old all time in the UK. So I just kind of used that motivation from the previous, from my previous past, from my past, to basically help elevate and motivate me in the future. And so it's just been, it's just been crazy. Like that's obviously the track. Rugby, you know, I played rugby at school in Dubai. Um, had a couple of Youth England camps that I got involved in and played professional rugby after American football, but just decided that it wasn't for me. And then yeah. American football kind of got involved in um, late 2017. And then I just figured out, you know what, this is the sport that I love, got involved in, you know, the biggest all-star game for high school ballers in yeah. America. We're going to get on to that, yeah. Yeah, so that, that can be touched a bit later, but... That's kind of my that's kind of my journey of sport in general. Um, it's been very much highs and lows. There's been good and there's been bad, but I'm just happy where I'm at at the moment. Would you say how much would you say of it was? You said your entry point was from the very beginning. Your mom taking you to football. Mm. You hated it, um, and obviously yeah. then going on to play rugby after. And but actually you played football as well after you came back from Dubai. How much of that? those performances would you have based on your natural ability and how much would you say did you put any training at that point um i'd always say natural ability when i was young had a massive part to play but i used to train hard like um you know i used to play i used to play sport there was sometimes i was playing sports six days a week um, yeah i'd train in so, part of so many different teams like i was part of the school teams for everything and then i'd be part of a club so i imagine i was part of a football and rugby team at school then I'd be part of and two rugby, two football teams outside of school and then one rugby team outside of school. So you can imagine every single day I was training. Um, and even when I was, you know, you know, younger and not obviously with the team, I would still do my own work. I'd be in the gym all the time when I got to about 14. Um, you know, my strength conditioning coach would vouch for me in the sense that I was always with him. I always made sure that I freed up my schedule um, to work on my body. I used to do extra running sessions, technique sessions. So as much as it was natural ability, I would say my hard work definitely was a factor. Um, it helped me get to where I got to when I was younger and everything. So 100%. yeah, I definitely did put the work in. I was natural ability. Or... Yeah. I think something sick to take away from that is something I came across probably in the last year is the concept of playing several sports at once. And um, I've yeah, seen sure. that with coaches talking about that and they were like, um, as much as you can focus on your skills and the muscle groups you use in one sport, say football, for example, um, if you go and play rugby and there, and then you do track, there's parts and muscle groups and there's skills that you're learning and bringing in from other sports that is going to push you in the sport you end up picking out because you can't really play three your entire life. You know what I mean? So I think that's something sick to take away from that. So people listening in athletes listening in as sick as it is to focus your entire energy and by all means go for it it's always sick don't ever sort of take into the, the fact that you don't you need, you need to play that one sport open yourself up to other sports because you'll find that you know i don't know 
tennis to cricket, this certain abilities with your forearms that help with your power hitting abilities and all that kind of stuff. And they transfer from rugby to American football, uh, which is sick to hear from you. Then you obviously went on to the, like, like you mentioned, the Under Armour All-American team, which for the people listening in the UK who aren't aware of that and you're listening in from another, being another sports fan, this is, this ain't no small, this ain't a small regional tournament. You know what I mean? This is, this is from, from what I've learned to be the matchup of the best high school players in the US and you were there for the Under Armour one. Um, how, was, how would you find, how would you describe your entire experience? Because that is, that is not a small thing. It's not a, it's not a, I wouldn't even say it's like the UK football national tournament for schools. I'd say it's bigger than that, to be honest, because of the amount of college scouting coaches there, the amount of opportunities you can get off the back of that rather than it just being a school matchup. How did you find the whole thing? For me, it just showed me everything I knew from when I was younger. America just does it bigger and better. Like, you know, they, they take high school sports so seriously. They have like a ranking system that ranks every high school player. Yeah. They have, you know, all of their games, not televised, some are televised, but a lot of them can be accessed one way or another from huddle. So, you know, when the coaches can evaluate numerous how many millions of guys every single year and then basically put them, you know, rank them and then out of the people they ranked, get a top 100 to be in an all-star game. It's a it was a privilege to kind of be amongst some of the best players because to put it into context, you know, some of the guys that I was training with then, they're going into the NFL um, this year. So it's just all crazy to kind of see how it translates. It's just, it was a great experience. I remember my first day, uh, I came there and, um, you know, I woke up, went to, I, went, so I woke up, I was thrown up everywhere. I don't know what it was, maybe it was the water or whatever, but that yeah. killed me. And then um, the, game, the day just kind of just went from one hat to another. You know, you go in there, you get an iPad that kind of tells you what's, you know, what do you want? As in, you've got all these different bits of clothes to right. show, select from Under Armour clothes. What do you want? And then literally you get the whole collection, every, everything from top to bottom. You've got like how many bags full of, <laughs> full of stuff. Um, then, you know, you've got interviews about Fox Sports, ESPN, and loads of like cameras and journalists filming everything, everywhere you go, everywhere you walk in, obviously everything you say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just a good experience. Like it was definitely something that I was happy that I was involved in. And some of the guys I'm still very close to now. Um, so it just gave me motivation to kind of say, if I can compete with, you know, the guys who are obviously at the top and playing now for the best colleges or about to be in the NFL, then I don't believe why, you know, I haven't got the ability to do the same and, and if not better. So. Yeah. And then I was, I was looking back, I was looking at a couple of clips of uh, one of your interviews with actually ESPN. And I was looking through the comments because oh, yeah. I wanted to see what people's reactions were, right? Especially from the ones from the US who are like, um, I've seen a couple of them nasty ones and then some of them were nice. Uh, but there was this one guy who said, go to one minute, oh four, one minute something. And you're going to see Justin Fields in the background. Oh, bruv, <laughs> I cracked up. I, I, I went straight to there. Uh, so Justin Fields, for those who aren't listening, Justin Fields is going to be like, what, round one confirmed pick in the upcoming NFL draft? Number four or something? He's probably going to be top three this year for sure. 100%. So yeah, that, that, that was, I don't think pe for the people who are playing from other sports, like that, that was no small thing. And then you had obviously your US college interests. I'm not, I, I wouldn't be sure of the details and then some fell through. You were meant to go to what, Garden City, 
which is one of the best um, Juco teams. I came across Garden City from the Netflix show uh, Last Chance You, which are probably the majority of people have. Um, how did you find then the recruiting process as a whole from getting interest, some not going on paper, which I'm sure thousands of athletes during the US have gone through, um, plus the whole factor of you being an overseas signing, um, not being not playing American football from six, seven years old, like the majority have. Um, as someone who's, yeah, how did you find the whole recruiting process as a whole, as a whole being from the UK? I'd say my recruiting process was, was very different. Um, when I first was coming out of high school, it was good because I had the kind of the highlight of being on the Under game. So my recruiting was really good. I had some really good colleges reach out, put out a couple offers, but that's when I went to Coastal. Um, and decided that at the time it was the best for me. But then that was so different to, you know, leaving professional rugby and then trying to get back into American football. Because, you know, when I, got, when I first tried to get back in, it was difficult for sure. Like I was, you know, I was working a full job because I left rugby at the time, so I was working a full job. I was trying to, you know, get these guys that were like five hours behind and obviously we're going to bed when these guys are available. Yeah. So you're cold calling colleges, you know, you're trying to get, you're trying to go to one, you're trying to look at one college, you're trying to reach out to the offensive coordinator, the head coach, the running back coach, recruiting coordinator, and somebody else who's trying to use five or six contacts per school. Yeah. It just takes you hours and hours and hours. Sometimes you're getting nothing. Sometimes you're hearing something. And it's just like, you're just waiting for that one moment. I had a couple of moments where I was, bang on, perfect for what they wanted. They were going to fly me out for a visit. And then COVID hit. And because COVID hit, they couldn't get anyone out. It, everything just died out. So that was frustrating. And then things did pick up again. I started reaching out more again. Um, and, you know, a couple of people were, were helping me on my behalf, just speaking to different people and whatnot. And, yeah, the recruiting process just got stronger and stronger. And lucky enough, um, you know, I managed to get, I went from everything being quiet to then just having, I don't know, maybe it was six, seven colleges in the space of, in the space of a couple hours and days. So it was very, it's been very much 50-50, but that was difficult because, you know, I committed to Garden City. They run our finances for international students. And then from there, I had to look again. So yeah, I'm in the I remember that again. part, yeah. And it's just like, it's difficult because, you know, especially now, the transfer portal, it's, business, it's the biggest it's ever been because of COVID. So you've got like 100, you've got 1,400 players in the pool. So, you know, you're competing with that and you haven't played the sport in so many years, but you know you believe in yourself and you just need that one opportunity. But luckily I was just blessed that I had quite a few to choose from. So it's been difficult, but I've just been lucky that, you know, my dream has been able to stay, stay continued. I haven't had to be forced to just give up and try something else. 100%. And then what, what would you say your thoughts were on Aaron? You, you, look, you know, being a player from the UK, I've gotten to American football a bit, not at the level you are, obviously, but um, at, at a club level right now with the Berkshire Renegades. And then you have setups like uh, Europe Elite, PPI recruits, all these, mm. all these coaches coming in. You have NFL UK, um, the NFL Academy. Describe to me the processes around being a UK athlete, you know, PPI recruits, Europe Elite, all those kind of things? I'd say it's difficult because um, I'd say the set, so if we're going to break it down, right, 
the setups are very good. Like there are some, my, the best ones I'd say are Bristol Pride and the NFL Academy for the, obviously for the younger guys. Yeah. Um, they really good setups. They got really good contacts. It's just the only problem was this year with no COVID, no games. So if you got no games yeah. and we're really behind in the sense that we don't play week in, week out, like the American colleges and the competition obviously isn't as great. Yeah. So when you haven't that and you're not playing games, it's so difficult to get recruited when you, yeah. when you haven't got the necessary game footage um, and film, game film. So that's difficult. But, you know, these guys do run really good programs. I've, you know, I'm very close to some of the guys that play, that play there. And I've seen the facilities for both and they're really good facilities. Um, because, you know, the money's not, sorry, the money for the sport just isn't there in the UK. So for considering what we do have available to us, they're very good facilities. It's just when guys aren't in training, sorry, in, yeah, in, in setups and they're in the holidays or guys just aren't in the setups at all. Just, we just haven't got a, say, specific training base for everyone, yeah. anyone that wants to train. For example, I'm going to um, Baton Rouge next week for my, for my spring break and I'm going to be training in a facility with a gym, an indoor field and strength coaches, physio, um, and all of these different, all of these different things. And if all players, when they're on off seasons, they've got all of these things that they need. College players, high school, everybody's got all of these different things, and that's away from their setups. So if we could kind of have like more performance centers, um, you know, situated around the UK, I think that would be great for the sport and its development. Because you know, if players are being trained to a higher level, then they're bringing more stuff to designated teams, and then it's just going to help and just breed better quality for, you know, the sport and the players that play it. So I think, you know, with time, with the more the more the sport gets loved and with COVID settling down and finances being made more available, I do see we are seeing a, t- a turn in, you know, the development of the sport and things being brought in. It's just, we need the money, but the money's going to come from, you know, some of the younger guys now coming through, like myself and other guys coming through to push yeah. that where we are at the heights of, of the NFL and, and a bit further. So we, if it's us putting the money in or us being able to pitch it, but it definitely is something that is going to have to be addressed because, you know, there's so much talent in Europe and I'm just using England as an example, but there's so much talent in Europe and it's like so much talent gets wasted and, and put to waste because we haven't got the best, I'd say, nurturing skills um, because there's just money's not in the sport to obviously be able to develop everyone. So... Yeah, with time, that's all I'll say. Would you say, would you say then there's a little bit of pressure on you outside of performances to then be the person or be part of a group that then pitches it or makes it available, clear to brands, to uh, what do you call them, stakeholders, uh, those kind of people to bring finances in? I think in the future, yeah, but there's always going to be a pressure from international um, students football players, regardless of what sport you play. If you're an international player in America, you're always going to have pressures because, you know, you're stepping into the country that's probably, that is the best sporting country in, country in the entire world. And they've got all the facilities, they've got all of the coaching, all of the research. And you're trying to, you know, be that pioneer within your own country with what you're doing and trying to stand out amongst everyone. So you, it's all good being a big fish in a small pond, but then how about being that, that same fish in a bigger pond? And so we always have a duty, regardless of where we are. Maybe in the future, when we get to the certain ages and the, and the financial positions, then we have the leverage to speak to guys with like the stakeholders and guys who are at the higher levels. But until then, 
we just need to do our due diligence in making sure that we're performing on the field, on the track, in the court, wherever it is. And then in the future after that, then we can start putting the work in, in other areas. 100%. It's, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to, the way the UK and the Europe scene is developing, because I'm seeing some sick footage of some of the players coming through. Um, but we've kind of talked about that. Let's tap into the life of you right now. What does a, the day in the life of Juco athlete Tyrese look like? What is your schedule for the players coming into the stage in the coming years? Because you're kind of, you and a few others, maybe a couple players in front of you are sort of, in a sense, the first generation of players coming through to be proper international players. So for the people coming through, what does a day look like? What does the schedule look like? Um, as a Duco athlete, international one? So Duco, that's very different to, um, you know, going to like a four-year school, by the way. Yeah. Guys. You know, I was at Coastal, that was so different to Duco. So like my, me and the Duco now, we've got 7am breakfast check-in. You've got to be there between 7 to 7.20. Then you kind of have, you kind of have classes in the morning. We have a variation of different classes. Um, I'm doing like physical science, sociology, interpersonal communication, like another science lab and everything. So there's, there is a bit of work. If you, if you are good with your time management, you can kind of get through it. But we kind of get that done. Got lunch at weird times. Like we're talking, you know, lunch starts at like 10.45 and ends at like, like 12. So it's just like, it's so early. Um, and then, you know, in between that time, you can see physios you can you know get more work done hang out with the guys or whatever you need to do chill at dinner outside the lunch table with a couple of people as well then you know kind of it depends what you are if you're offense or defense for example offense we train in the gym Mondays same as defense but we just do it from 345 onwards to like five-ish um, and we're kind of we're kind of doing gym I think it's Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And then we run on Wednesdays with just positional groups. And on Fridays, that's the killer. Fridays, we've got the 6 a.m. runs. So we've got to, kind of, we've got to be there like 5.45, getting ready um, in the locker room, in the, out on the field. So it's, there's a lot to do. You know, you've got to obviously keep up with your grades because, you know, you're trying to get out. And even if you have the talent physically and the talent on the field, if you haven't got the grades, you can't leave. So, yeah. you know, grades obviously have to be up there and everything. So it's just, yeah, there's a lot to being a Duke athlete. Things are a lot different to, you know, a D1 athlete and especially a Power 5 athlete. But, you know, it just keeps you in check. It makes you work hard and it keeps, it keeps you humble. It keeps you very humble and just makes you more disciplined as well. That's it. Just, just trying to stay, keep your foot on the gas and just not letting go. 100%. How would, have you found the transition from the UK lifestyle, school lifestyle, college, li uh, or the college lifestyle over in the US? Because like you said, and we've seen it in several sports, the US is on another, another level the way they go about this sporting lifestyle for high school and college. They've got so much more investment, so much more training involved compared to the UK. You'll find if you're just playing just for school as a single example, guys who are doing school football even if you're not at a professional academy like a lot of them end up being um you have one game a week and maybe even 
an after-school training session. But in the US, like you said, even in high school, there's several days a week. You got gym sessions available. You got big stadiums. Not, not. I wouldn't say you could say stadiums, but big areas to train and play and perform. Uh, how have you found the whole transition over to the US? I'd say it's difficult. Us, it's difficult me answering that now because you know I have. You know, I was in the states. I didn't move to the states like two years ago before. No, three years ago before. I mean, I was there for a year. So. I guess it's like, it's just not really, it's not novelty to me anymore. You know, I'm very much used to it all um, in the sense that I'm used to the college life and it's not as like before when I was a bit younger and obviously, you know, you're out there, you know, you're seeing 80,000 people in the stadium, you're seeing 30,000 people in the stadium. It's like, wow. Yeah. You're seeing all these different gym facilities and 110 people in your football team and you're like, wow. Like, all of that is very much a novelty and very much exciting. But now it's just different because I guess from, from a personal level, I'm just trying not to kind of look at things in another time. I'm just trying to keep my mind focused and just, just really just trying to attack it. That's like, if, if there's anything that, you know, people know about me now from watching this is that, you know, for me right now, my main focus is just putting the work in. I've got so much I need to do. You know, I left professional rugby to do this. So, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm just going to, you know, mess about, have yeah. a laugh really here to just get the working and grind so that's why a lot of what I'm doing has just been put towards bearing myself on and off the field every single day yeah and then uh, what about with this is gonna be the last thing before we go into the advice for the next kind of people then what kind of music do you listen to that are you listening to anybody in the UK scene um, who what kind of artists and stuff ah uh, let me be real you're a US man isn't it I'm a US man. <laughs> you know what? I, I do mess with a couple of UK guys. Um, if we're talking UK strictly, I like Dave. I think Dave is one of Come the on. most talented in the world. Obviously, he's from Streatham as well. I'm from yeah. Freedom. We'll let that Sick. pass. Um, I let him honcho. I just, I've got, I got a liking for his sounds. Um, those are my main UK guys, really. Okay. I do like a bit of drill, like I will put on some of the guys, but I'm just I'm just straight up Lil Baby, Roddy, okay. you know, boy, JD Youngin, Kodak. Like yeah. you give me some UK music, you put on someone from Florida or Atlanta, you'll see my head bopping different. <laughs> so I guess it just it just suits my personality and it just resonates with me like a hell of a lot more. But, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people give me hate, obviously, because I'm from the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bopping on on the radio, so yeah, man. Have you have you have you played the UK music? Have you played M Honcho, Dave, Nave Smalls, maybe even to the US man? You know what? I have. I tried putting on some AJ. Um, I put them on, and they were just taking the mick out of me, man. <laughs> they were like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> I tried to show everyone. To be fair, actually, you know what they liked. They liked heavy because yeah. heavy's flow is actually nice. Yeah, I put on some heavy for them, um, and I put on one of it. I don't know what song I put on, but they loved. Was it, was it both? They love the because that that was a that's a got that's got a catchy flow from the uh, music music. I gave them. I think I did give them some of both, and I gave them some of him and Drake. They loved okay. the one with him and Drake because a lot of them, a lot of them don't rate Drake at all. Like a lot of Americans just don't mess with Drake, but the song he had with Drake, they were listening to his flow. They were just like, 
That's sick, bro. Oh, that's weird. Honestly, Heady won out of all UK artists to come for. I would have, I wouldn't have assumed that he was messing with the US the most. But that's sick to see. Then what about um, I, this is something I spoke about with. I don't know if you know uh, the Baytees, which is the YouTube Sunday football team. They got they got a sick thing going on. Fifty k subscribers. Um, deal with New Balance. They got a sick movement going on. And I spoke with their goalkeeper, uh, Ibby, and he mentioned on his the episode we have with him that when it comes to diet, it's something he probably lacked or he criticised himself the most on, which is his diet. It's something he didn't focus on and that affected potentially his diet, his uh, performances and recovery. Um, what kind of foods, what kind of food lifestyle have you had to be on and let go of being in sort of the athlete life environment? You know what? I mean, honestly, it's different. Um, you know, when you're playing, you know, when you're playing professional sport, especially playing professional rugby, everything is a lot more different than when you're at college because when you're in college, it's difficult to kind of have the finances, especially in the JUCO, to have the specific meals that you want for your players when, you know, they're, most, they're not serving for athletes, they're serving for the whole. Yeah. Um, you know, as in rugby, you know, they, they provide breakfast and lunch and they'd always tell us at the beginning of the week what we're going to have each day and the benefits. So that was really good because then it's just taught me so much. And then for dinner, you know, not even just for dinner, but we had a, obviously we had a professional nutritionist. Him and I would meet every single week and, you know, we'd go through what weight I'm trying to get at, why I'm trying to get to it. And then he'd give me his tips on whether he thinks it's worth it or not. And then when we, when we come to a common consensus of what we want to do, then we'd be able to put in the diet plan for that. So if it's getting a certain amount of calories a day, if it's cutting out, for example, I was trying to lose weight, but obviously, you know, not lose some so it's detrimental to my performance, but at least try and replace the weight and the sort of size with a bit more muscle mass and just a bit more tone. Yeah. And you know, we just do all of that. For example, my diet then was barely any much literally not much sugar. So I cut out my, my cappuccinos, I cut out my biscuits, I cut out my cereal, and then we just stuck to you know pure protein diets. If that was some dried chicken, barely any seasoning, and, and, and barely any rice, or changing, changing the rice with salad, and you didn't feel as hungry, so it didn't fill you up as much, but after about three weeks, your body got so used to it that it actually was very filling, and then you could see the physical benefits within your body. Um, I guess now it's a bit more difficult because, you know, they're serving for many, so most of the times, you know, you're, there'll be like maybe two lunch bars, or two dinner bars, and it's very much the same stuff. So it's like, it's very difficult for, you know, the athlete to be able to stop certain things. The only thing you can really stop is how much you're eating rather than what you're eating. So yeah. I guess that, that's a bit difficult at times, but I guess I'm at a point right now where I think I've done a lot of work over the years to get myself physically to where I want to get to, or at least near. So if I'm putting in, the, if I'm a lot of the time, because I'm putting a lot of work in the gym and off the gym, you know, I can just about afford to get away with it. But then there are still some detrimental issues that come with my performance and that do affect my performance because I'm obviously not having a diet that I want to. But yeah. it goes without saying, like, if there's anything to get out of this, you know, having a good diet is so important to performance because, again, that's recovery with the sleep as well, with recovery, it's, you know, 
how efficient can you move can you can you perform certain movements based on you know your fitness because if you're not fit then how can you push yourself or how can you do certain things and obviously your fitness can be helped with what you eat so like there are so many things that diet helps with and so many different things but yeah i just need i'd say i need to work on mine a bit more but if there's a thing that i can say to back myself up is that being in the juco it's just not as easy okay okay well you heard it people you heard it athletes listening up it's it's, it's important it's something ibi said as well any athletes going forward i'm sure they're all going to say the same thing then we're going to go into the final part uh briefly then if you could lay out advice for upcoming footballers in its entirety um ones from the uk being a uk athlete going abroad and the ones who are struggling because of hate because you've been obviously in a you have a unique situation in both. You're from the UK and you had that clip from when you were in under 15s or something like that, um, which got you viral. And you kind of got, in a weird way, thrown in the deep end in a, in a situation that no one can really say, yeah, I've been there. You know what I mean? From the UK anyway. So um, what kind of experience off the back of that would you give to the upcoming players? I'd say the most important thing I figured out very young, support network. Support network has to be very strong. You know, who do you associate yourself with? Because, you know, I guess the best saying is, you know, if you look at somebody's friends, that will tell you what person, that will tell you the type of person that person is. Yeah. So making sure that who you have around you is a good reflection of yourself and it's a good reflection of what you want to be. And, you know, your friends should inspire you, your friends should motivate you, your friends should be people that, you know, you want to be around, not, not anything negative because, especially as an athlete, time is so precious. You can't afford to be having guys that are bringing you down. Nor can you afford to be having guys that just don't obviously operate correctly. So then that puts your brand, you know, at fault or at detriment. Yeah. Um, and so obviously that's important. You know, you have to love what you want to do. You know, you can't, you can't be doing something that you just think you're good at because it won't, it won't take you for longevity because there will become a point where what you're doing will fall at work. And as soon as it does, it's not, you're going to want to leave. So you have to love what you want to do. And if you love it, especially football guys that are obviously in the UK, American football is specific. Yeah. Do the extra. So a lot of guys say they want to be great. They want to get to the NFL. But do you know, who's your favorite football team? Do you know your favorite position? Can you name me five players from the position that you play? Can you tell me some of the latest news? You know, be a student of the game and have, have that love for the NFL. Because when you're in America, you're talking to these guys, they will tell you everything of the NFL. And if you can't speak and relate to them, respectfully, they won't have the respect for you. And that's the problem, you know, because when you obviously get to America, you know, you're t- even not even America, but in every single sport you play, the people's opinions that matter most isn't the fans, it's your players and your teammates and the coaches. And you want to have the relationship with your with your, with your um, fellow teammates and you know a lot of the way Americans respect UK ballers is through their knowledge of the game and the hard work they put in so for sure hard work's hard work should be you know number one up there but that should be a given that shouldn't even be a question but you know you really have to study the game understand the game and the respect will come because if you at least understand the game and you're putting in the hard work you're not going to fail. Like you're going to, you're going to obviously progress. So those are the things that I'd say are very important. Um, just, you know, just, again, I always say, keep your foot, put your, keep your foot on the pedal 
of the gas. You know, make sure you're just continuing to strive, continue to get better and just don't let up. 100%, man. That's something, again, that's what something Ibrahim said from Ibi from Bayi said, something I've listened a lot about or taken in a lot, which is if you don't love the sport, when you're going through those tough times of training, coming back with bad pain, when you're not getting the performances you want, when you have a bad game, when you're getting criticism, etc. If you don't love the game, that's, that's it. You're going to be like, I want to quit this. And it's purely at that point, it's not your performance. It's your passion for the game in the first place. That's going to take you through that. If you don't love it, it's going to be like, it, it never meant anything to you in the first place. So people, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Breaking It Down. I've been Mo. This has been Tyrese. I hope you joined this episode. Make sure you check it out on all podcast platforms. Make sure you check it out on YouTube. Uh, check out Tyrese's stuff. I want to link it, uh, link his channel below, link his socials below. So make sure you guys go and check that out. I've been Mo. This has been Tyrese. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Breaking It Down.